0: So Money Episode Twenty Seven: Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a thirty-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. It's Farnoosh Tarabi. You're listening to So Money. This is Ask Farnoosh. I have gotten a number of questions this week from y'all. Some comments, too. Some good. Some uh, criticism, actually. And I'm looking forward to sharing that all with you and, uh, you know, letting loose a little bit. During the week, Monday through Friday, I interview prominent guests, and I can get a little nervous and <laughs> uh, some starstruck in some cases. But uh, I'm happy to say I'm kicking off the shoes now, letting the hair down, and going through my email and looking at all of the great questions that I've received from from listeners. And so before we get started... Some of you might be wondering, where's Todd? Where's your brother? My normal sidekick is still out west. He was out there enjoying the Super Bowl in Phoenix last weekend, and now he's in Los Angeles working. And we tried actually to record this last night with him, but the connection was really bad. So it's me just solo uh, for Ask Farnoosh this weekend, but hopefully next weekend Todd will be back. Okay, let's kick it off here with Janet Janet writes in and she says, Hey Farnoosh, my husband and I are in our 50s and we've just received an inheritance. We can pay off our mortgage with that money since that's the only debt we have. Uh, but do you think it's a good idea? Um, should we do something else with this money? Maybe invest it? So I think this is a really good question for all of us to hear because whether it's an inheritance or a tax refund or some surprise money that we get. Uh, Sometimes in life, a little windfall falls. And what do you do with that money? The first thing I would say is identify what are the major obligations in your life that you no longer wanna be bothered with because they're costly and because they're making life difficult. This might be your mortgage, it might be a car loan, it might be credit cards, it might be um, alimony. Uh, for others. But, and in this case with Janet, it sounds like they have no debt. The mortgage, however, is the first thing that she brought up. And I wonder if it's because it's something that keeps her and her husband up at night. It might be a large number. And as they're approaching retirement, if you haven't really knocked down that mortgage, you're still paying um, a lot of interest, then perhaps this is an area that you want to Make more manageable in your life. Now, I don't know it doesn't she doesn't say how much the inheritance is. if we're talking an amount that's more than your mortgage then and you'll have a lot left over, then okay, maybe pay down the mortgage. Uh, but if you have money that's maybe you know not as much as your mortgage and you're thinking I'm gonna put all of it towards the mortgage, I'd say, hold on a second. Maybe it's so you don't need to do that. Maybe you got to think about where would I prefer my mortgage to be at? So I can feel like life's a little bit more manageable. Uh, I can make more, I can have more choices in life because I'm not paying, you know, 30, 40% of my income towards housing. What would it take to bring that mortgage down so maybe just 10% of your income is going towards the the mortgage? And maybe that's what I would do uh, in terms of paying it down. Not paying it off, but paying it down. So first question you got to ask yourself is what are my major obligations that I can't stand, that I want to make that I don't want to erase to make my life easier or better. What should I do with this money in order to have a more secure future? That's another good question to ask yourself when you get surprise cash, especially if it's a big boatload of cash. You know, especially for this this woman writing in Janet, you said you and your husband are in your 50s, so uh, retirement's around the corner. I would if I were you, I would look at that retirement account. How much money do you have saved? How much money will you perhaps need in retirement, and are you doing okay so far with that? Do you need to perhaps cushion that account? So use some of that inheritance maybe to secure your future. Just set some aside, either in not risky investments, but maybe the investments that you've already set up in your retirement account that match your age and your risk tolerance and when you want to retire. Maybe it's money that you put in your rainy day savings account because that needs some cushioning, and in the future, that might be something that will add to your security. And and the last question I would ask myself once I have an inheritance uh, after I've sort of addressed my needs and my obligations and s- made my life a little bit more secure is, all right, what do I want to do now that's going to be fun, you know? Um, maybe I wouldn't buy any things with it, but maybe I would take a trip, go somewhere that you've always wanted to visit. All right, next question is from Mike. He uh, writes in. He says, hi, Farnoosh. Uh, I'm a freelance podcast producer. Hi, Mike. Nice to meet you. He says, I'm trying to get some insight to help me do better work, and I was wondering if you could take a second to answer a few quick questions. Of course. He says, one, do you uh, or have you hired any freelancers to help produce your podcast? And yes, I have. I have a uh, a few people who work for me remotely from their own homes, and I have outsourced help in the areas of editing, social media and copywriting. Copywriting for the website, copywriting um, for the newsletter. Perhaps I could find one full-time person to do all of those things, but I find that it's hard to find one person that's good at all those things. So I farm it out. Uh, I do like them. I do like the process. He asks, do you like the process? Did you ever, did they deliver everything that you needed? Well, truth be told, I think when you work with someone as a team, it's always a learning process and you there are going to be some growing pains, and I can't assume that uh, everyone's going to anticipate what I need. I have to be really clear about what my expectations are. And so, no, it's not always smooth, and sometimes it's my fault because I didn't articulate or communicate things the right way or at all. So I I, uh, I don't ever assume that when I'm working with someone for the first time that it's going to go 100% smoothly. There are going to be kinks in the road and uh that's okay as long as for me i'd rather have someone who's okay at a certain skill but is exuberant about working on the project like they're so excited about the project and i am happy to say that i'm working with people now that really truly love this podcast uh my transcriber is writing to me and she's like you're podcast i love working on this podcast it's like the most inspiring part of my day i get to transcribe these amazing interviews Uh, more than just having the skill i want somebody who has excitement and you said would you hire them hire them again absolutely Uh, he says i know this email is a little out of the blue but i really appreciate your time and wanted to say again that i love your podcast well thanks mike i'm so glad to hear from you and i and good luck with your podcast endeavors Mark, he says, "Hey Farnoosh, so very glad I have found your podcast, very inspiring. I actually have two questions for you, if I may." You certainly may. "How did you get into doing what you do? I currently work as a business analyst specializing in financial transaction mapping, and um and I'm asking as many people as I can about how to crack into the financial world without being a chartered accountant. Would love to hear how you started out." Well, you're doing similar to what I did, uh, which is that I, I asked a lot of questions. I interviewed a lot of people casually on the fly. I would meet other authors, other journalists, other broadcasters, and I'd say, how did you get started? And I would go online and I would read bios of all the people that I respected and, and wanted to emulate in some way. And was for myself then putting, you know, the pieces together and, and, and connecting the dots. Now you're asking me, how did I get started? So I did that. I, I did a lot of um, asking of other people. How did you get started? But I, but I majored in finance in college. I coupled that with a degree in journalism later on, and then I just started working in the media space talking about money, talking about business, the economy, personal finance across a number of different mediums. And that is something that I've always been conscious about. I never wanted to pigeonhole myself and say, I'm just going to be a writer, or I'm just going to be a broadcaster, or I'm just going to do books, or I'm just going to do this. I wanted to flavor it all. And I think that has been my competitive edge, is that now, 12 years into my career, I can say with confidence that... I can do radio. I can do a live shot for TV. I can produce a segment. I can book a guest. I can edit a video. I can edit a podcast. And I always wanted to for me it was important to really get as much of the skill set developed as possible within the the medium within the personal finance niche. And I don't have a certification in financial analysis or f- financial planning. But uh, I have done over 10 years of research in this area. I've worked with people one on one. I speak from experience. And so, you know, while I'm not allowed to move mutual funds around in your 401k or plan your estate, I think what I can do, which is sometimes just as valuable, is give really good advice to people about how to make their money meaningful and how to make money, how to save more, how to build credit just based on my learning and my hands-on experience. So that's how I got started. Another question you had is in Robert Kiyosaki's interview, he mentioned how he buys Ferraris, very close to my heart too, (laughs) by buying an investment and getting that investment to pay for it. I understand the concept to an extent, but would appreciate this being explored further if you could. Well, I wish I had Robert back here on the show with me to to kind of further explain that. But I think what he does, and it's very Robert Kiyosaki of him. He writes about this in Rich Dad Poor Dad, his you know uh, his book that went platinum, <laughs> if, if, if books ever did. It was like the um, the thriller of financial books. He talks about. Leveraging, leveraging assets to pay for other assets. And so he gave the example in my interview uh, early on in the podcast about how he likes Ferrari. So he'll have an investment property that he'll be and will use that cash flow or will pull the equity out of that investment property to afford something like a Ferrari which is beautiful and is one of his guilty pleasures but let's be honest is more or less a depreciating asset like most vehicles so he does that now he can afford to do that because he is extremely wealthy and yeah uh, there's more where that came from I would worry really giving this advice to the masses because here's the thing I think we all do this sometimes, we might pull equity out of our home to pay for college. We might pull equity out of our home to renovate the home. And while we can do that, and and banks allow us to do that, you always have to be mindful of what happens if that underlying asset, that investment property, that home depreciates, and then you have this loan. So it's risky you know it's not bulletproof advice and that's all i'll say about that you know i don't do this in my own personal life i don't leverage assets necessarily to pay for other luxurious things people who know robert kiyosaki's work who've read his books it's not a surprise that he would say something like that although i would never recommend that for the masses and mark by the way is from auckland new zealand so i'm really excited to know that we have some international listeners to so many thanks thanks so much mark Jorge now asks, hey, I was hoping, are there any Tony Robbins books left? And I'm sorry, Jorge. Unfortunately, no. I gave them all out uh, the first week that the podcast launched. But stay tuned because there are going to be other freebies that I'm giving away from time to time. So make sure that you sign up for somoneypodcast.com and get start getting the emails because I just was announcing the other day to the email list that I'm giving away 12 of Seth Godin's books. Alrighty, orinus. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Dear Farnoosh, I am one of the avid followers of your show. I really like the advice you give about money. I asked you a question before, but you forgot to answer it. Oops, sorry. So I'm asking it again. Okay, good. I'm glad. Like I said, people, I might miss your question here and there. So please keep them coming again if I miss you. Uh, I'm 30 years old, living in Toronto. I'm a full-time teacher and I teach math and business at high school level. I also own a home tutoring business on the side, which I help a couple of students with and recently i created a website and page on facebook for my home tutoring business i'm passionate about teaching and i love helping students to improve their learning my goal is to open my own tutoring center in the future as a full-time business i do not see myself as someone who can spend his or her entire life working for someone else and that is the reason i like to become an entrepreneur any tips for me Yes. Well, first of all, congrats. I love hearing your story. I love knowing that you are pursuing this and you are making inroads and you have students already. And what's even better is that you are building your brand and your business online. And I want to focus on that. It seems like you're very good at working one-on-one with your students and perhaps through word of mouth, getting more clients and continue to do that. Word of mouth is very powerful. But don't lose out on the online potential for your business. Make sure that you have a presence online that is not just on Facebook, but that you want to start looking at building a great destination for your business online where people can learn more about who you are, why you're special in this space. Get testimonials from your students talking about why you're necessarily the best tutor that they have ever had and put the proof out there that you are the best tutor in your category, in your demographic. Use the internet as a vehicle to get people who may not even know who you are to know who you are and to trust you and to give you their money and to hire you as their tutor. And so Facebook's great, but I would also have a website. I would also make sure that you're active on LinkedIn. Make yourself known on the internet so that's what i would say is that as you're trying to build out the sort of brick and mortar aspect of this business try to also invest in your online presence all right and good luck with that i i, I wish you all the best and by the way math and science tutoring is uh sometimes the most popular i've, I've done stories about tutoring online and tutor.com is one of the biggest online destinations in america for finding tutors of all ranges all for all ages all subjects and the company tells me that math and science tutors earn the most heidi she says my husband and i are moving from the uk to san diego and because i've been out of the u.s for six years my credit is pretty non-existent there and i'm worried about how that may impact our ability to find an apartment any advice so Heidi, I assume that both you and your husband are not from the US. Although, I don't know, maybe your husband is a US citizen. Perhaps he does have credit and if he does have credit, then he's the one who's going to want to kind of represent the two of you as you're applying for apartments. So he would be the main renter on all the leases when he's applying for when you're applying for a, a rental together. Have it his credit that gets checked, and explain. I would be upfront with landlords and say, you know, we are moving from another country here, so we don't have the traditional kind of credit profiles that others would have. We don't actually have credit scores, but... It's important to bring that up before they discovering that about you because if it happens that way, they the landlords might become suspicious like you're trying to hide something. But just be proactive about it and be prepared to produce other things that would prove necessarily to a prospective landlord that you guys uh, are good for the money that maybe it's a statement from your employers saying this is how much you're going to be making every year, every month. Perhaps it's letters of recommendation from a previous landlord that you had in the UK that said, you know, Heidi and her husband are legit. They're great tenants. They pay it on time all the time. So get those, get those recommendation letters squared away and just produce them proactively. If you find a place that you love, And now it's time to fill out the credit application just say you know we are from another country we're working on developing credit here in the u.s Um, so you're not going to actually find credit profiles for us but here are other things that might help you make your decision and for yourselves i would say as you're trying to establish credit in the u.s getting a secured card could be a good first step a secured card is something that anyone who has no credit or is perhaps repairing their credit these are folks that can't necessarily qualify for a traditional credit card. Going into a community bank or a local bank, a credit union, and applying for a secured card can help you establish and build credit. And how it works is it's a card, looks just like a credit card, but you load your own money onto that card, like a debit card, say $300, $500, $700. Then you use that card to buy things. And at the end of the month, you get a statement in the mail, just like you would with a credit card, that you have to pay off. And that money goes back into your account. And it's just more or less a good card for getting you into the behaviors of what it's like to use a credit card. And all that time, you're, you are actually establishing credit. That's the great thing about a secured card. It's like a debit card that helps you establish credit. After about 12 months of good behavior with that card – the banks will often upgrade you to a legit credit card with a real line of credit that carries an interest rate. So good luck with your move. All right, next question. Erica says, David Bach on your show made it sound really affordable to work with a certified financial planner, but what do they really cost? I've heard everywhere from $400 to $1,000 a session. I'm in my mid-20s. I have about $15,000 in a 401k, $3,000 in company RSUs, and another $3,000 kicking around in a mutual fund. I'm not really sure what to do with it. I just want someone to tell me I'm investing wisely, help me move some stuff around if I need to, and then peace out until I need to check in another year or so. Can you have a CFP relationship like that, or do they want you to come in monthly and pay fees? I've tried affordable online planning services, but wasn't really impressed. Okay, really good question. And actually, Erica, coming up in So Money, I've got an interview with a couple of financial planners that really nip it in the butt for us, you know, and I asked them precisely your question. I was like, okay, who needs to work with a financial planner and what does it cost? And for the most part, what they tell me is if you are in a situation where you don't have debt, you have some income, you have investments, and you want to go from good to great, then it's maybe good time to team up with a financial planner that can make the appropriate tweaks to your plan, to your overall financial strategy, to make sure that you're not only taken care of today, but that your future goals are being met. And by future, I mean retirement, perhaps buying a home down the road, making sure you have appropriate insurances in place. If you've going to start a family. You're going to want life insurance. You might want to start a college fund. So, you know, getting acquainted with a financial advisor now at your age, in your 20s, not a bad idea. I actually just recommended a a friend of my brother's who's about 25, has a good steady job, has a 401k, has, you know, extra income uh, every month that he wants to invest wisely. So he is now working with a financial advisor. And how does it work in terms of fees? Well, You want to work with a fiduciary, somebody who is going to charge you a fee or a percentage of your uh, underlying assets. There are some financial advisors who only work with high net worth clients, then there are others who work with... People who have uh, you know, modest savings, modest investments, and they want to grow that. And there are plenty of people who fit that bill too. There are plenty of CFP, Certified Financial Planners, who fit that bill as well. You want to start by asking around for recommendations. Talk to coworkers, talk to relatives, talk to friends who like their Certified Financial Planners, and have a meeting. And in that meeting, you absolutely want to ask them, what am I going to get? out of this relationship. Like what, I'm going to pay you a percentage, maybe it's 1% of my underlying assets. What will you give me in return? And be very, very transparent about that. Don't be beating around the bush. Ask them how they make money. If they happen to say that they make money by making commissions off of any of the investments they recommend to you, mm, be cautious because there, there may be an inherent conflict of interest. Instead, I would say try to work with somebody like, Uh, A fiduciary, again, who has necessarily needs to have your best interest uh, at heart and at play, So and nothing else. Uh, And and so there are websites out there, and I've talked about it in Ask Farnoosh before, but you can go to napfa.org, which is the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors.org. There's also Garrett Planning Network. That's garrettplanningnetwork.com, where, again, you can get access to Uh, finding advisors in your zip code that might meet your criteria. And most important in that meeting, you want to connect, be able to connect with this person. Do you like this person? Truthfully, like, do you not like this person? And if you don't like this person, move on. There are a lot of other people that you could potentially interview and work with. And the first interview, the first meeting is free. Okay, Luke is asking, I am totally debt-free and my wife and I max out our raw 403B accounts. What is the best investment I can make now to generate cash flow? All right, Luke, it sounds like you're ready to dabble in some risk. And uh, you're in a good place. You have no debt. You're maxing out your retirement account. Uh, I would also want to make sure that you have sufficient rainy day savings. So you and your wife have squared away six to nine months of living expenses in a liquid fund that you can access readily in the event that one of you loses your jobs or you want to transition to starting a business and you want to have that cushion, okay? So make sure that is the case before you follow the rest of what I'm about to say. Now, the rest of what I'm about to say goes like this. I would say take some of that extra money that you have that you want to work with and do something more powerful with and perhaps invest it in you. You know, I I understand that you are – with a 403B, that to me hints that perhaps you're working in public sector, maybe in education. Well, do you want to be working in education for the rest of your life? And if that's the case, fantastic. But if you don't and maybe you see yourself starting your own business or maybe going back to school or learning a new skill, that's what I would do. I'm a big proponent of before putting my money, you know, in extra mutual funds, if I'm already taken care of for retirement, if, I'm, if I don't have debt, if I have savings, then what about me? You know, I want to invest in me and perhaps boost my earnings potential down the road. You talk about wanting some cash flow. Well, earning a degree, learning a new skill, starting a side business, that is not going to get you cash flow right away, but down the road it may. So... Uh, that's, you know, and I, and I think when you invest in yourself, it's the best kind of risk because even if it doesn't pan out the way that you imagined or hoped, the process of going through that will be, uh, can be life-changing in a good way. And uh, so I would start there. I'm not going to sit here and tell you about what stocks to buy or the next hottest investment and, and, you know, go buy real estate and and et cetera. But I'll give you my honest to goodness answer, which is if I were you, I would look at how can I improve my own talents and how can I invest in me so that five years from now I can be making a lot more money and have a better lifestyle and, and life. So you're in a great place. Congrats. And that's my advice. Okay. I'm going to skip now to a question. It's not really a question. It's a complaint. I I mentioned in the the beginning that I got some criticism. And I love – Healthy criticism. So if you're not enjoying aspects of the show or whatever, please let me know. You know, don't um, be mean about it because <laughs> you'll hurt my feelings. But if you're not happy about something, I want to hear from you. We have an example of this right now. Here we go. Drawn says, Please do not talk about personal things too much about the guest. That just takes time. But listeners don't get much out of that. We want to get the most out of the 20 to 30 minutes we have with you. I don't know if the question, your So many moment – yields any useful answers for the listeners rather i would ask guests tips for successful personal finances sometimes guests tend to talk off the topic overall i would focus on what the common people would want to listen regarding the money thank you well thank you john i appreciate you writing in and um, i hear you i totally hear you Here's what I think about that. You know, I started the show because I wanted to talk about money in an intimate, candid, personal way. To remove the personal from this podcast, there would be no podcast. Because here's how I see things. If you just want financial tips, and by the way, the show has a lot of financial advice baked into it. It unfolds kind of um, organically. But if you strictly want to learn how to budget or boost your credit or save on gas – there are a lot of fantastic resources out there for you online that you can access. And and so go there. Go to those places. I, I don't want to turn you away from the podcast. I really hope that you'll stick around. But understand that I'm approaching this from a whole different perspective and a whole different uh, strategy. I think that what we lack in our culture is financial fluency and feeling comfortable sharing our financial ideas with one another. And no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, no matter where you're going, we all carry with us financial stories, stories about how we learned about money, stories about what we do with our money, stories about what we did wrong with our money, good things, bad things, habits. And that's what I'm interested in. And I think a lot of others are too. And based on you know the popularity of the show, I can say that it's growing and people are tuning in and I'm happy to see the growth but I will think more about what you said and I do think that you are right and sometimes the guests do go off topic. We do get a little tangential sometimes And but that's just part of having a conversation with someone and this show is meant to be casual. It's meant to be a little spontaneous at times and I think that sometimes it goes really well sometimes not but not every show is going to be an absolute home run but I am but uh, I appreciate your feedback and I hope that you'll continue to listen Um, and if not you know as I said there are a lot of other great resources out there that offer maybe the sort of the the sort of tips that you're you're more looking for but thanks for your comment and I appreciate your time. All right, everyone. That's all for this edition of Ask Farnoosh. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, to ask me a question, it's very simple. Just go to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, and ask away. And uh, again, it doesn't have to be a question. It can be a comment. And I'll look forward to answering them in the following weekend or the weekend after. Thanks, everyone. And I hope your day is so money.